From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Wisconsin U.S. Senator Ron Johnson hasn't announced whether he'll run for a third term next November, but that didn't stop former Republican President Donald Trump from endorsing his longtime ally. Trump issued a statement last week in support of Johnson and encouraged him to run. Johnson thanked Trump for the support, but again indicated it'll be a while before he makes a decision. Meanwhile, a couple of Johnson's would-be Democratic opponents, Milwaukee Bucks executive Alex Lasry and Outagamie County executive Tom Nelson, blasted the former president for getting involved. What kind of weight would Trump's endorsement of Johnson carry if he decides to run? Well, I mean, Johnson has obviously wedded himself to President Trump quite closely over the last couple of years, so it's not like he's hurting for support among Trump backers. Um, it would help him, though, to make sure those Trump voters are engaged next fall and, and turn out. We haven't quite seen evidence yet that the Trump voter will turn out if Trump's not on the ballot. Then it happened in 2018. Didn't really appear to happen uh, last week of the spring election. So it's something Republicans have to watch is how they can get those Trump voters engaged and active. And if they can, then, you know, there's some, some uh, definitely it would help Johnson to have those, those voters turning out. Do you think we'll see Trump campaigning in Wisconsin for Johnson if he runs, and what would that look like? Uh, well, it just depends. I mean, what, what Johnson needs, uh, what would help him, where it would go. You'd think that uh, President Trump would go somewhere in rural Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, uh, where he did quite well in 2020. It just depends what Johnson needs. I mean, one, we don't know if he's going to run again. And two, we're not sure the election is going to look like next fall. Uh, if he is running and there's a you know, things look good for Republicans, then, you know, Trump could probably help. If it's a, if it's not looking great for Republicans generally, and if there's some kind of Trump backlash next fall, then, you know, it'll carry some weight or some risk, I should say, if the president is, is coming to Wisconsin. So just, it's hard to know what the environment's going to look like so far out from the vote to know if the if President Trump is going to help or hurt a candidate in Wisconsin in November of 2022. Also last week, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that about 70,000 people who may have moved and didn't inform state elections officials won't be removed from the voter rolls after all. The court ruled 5-2 to that the job of removing voters from the rolls is up to local election officials and not the state. A conservative group brought a lawsuit in 2019 when more than 200,000 people were on the list of possible movers and it caused concern among activist groups. The Wisconsin Elections Commission says of the 70,000 that remain, none voted in the 2020 presidential election. So were you surprised by the court's ruling? Uh, no, you know, I try not to make an assumption about the court in general. You never want to do that the state Supreme Court because they'll surprise you sometimes if you do. So it, uh, the member, uh, an Ozaki County judge, had issued the order that the commission had to clean up the rolls right away. That was appealed. The 4th District ruled that that, um, that power is reserved for local officials, not the commission. So with the appeals court ruling that way, it's not a terrible shock the Supreme Court agreed with them. Now what's interesting, like a lot of these cases, is that Brian Hagelorn, once again, is at the center of a case like this. But two, it was also Pat Rokensack and the conservative joining the majority for a 5-2 ruling. It wasn't the, the fourth lineup we've seen in some uh, 
the most uh, high-profile cases in Wisconsin. It was a 5-2 ruling with Rogensack and Hagedorn, and the three liberals joined together for majority opinion. In another development, Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss says he'll block increased money for the Department of Public Instruction in the budget now that Jill Underly, who was backed by the teachers' unions, has been elected Wisconsin school superintendent. Underly defeated Deb Kerr, who was supported by conservatives in last week's spring elections. Voss tweeted that the teachers' union, quote, owns the DPI, and he's not going to support putting another nickel into what he called an unaccountable state bureaucracy. So what do you make of this, and do you think the Republican-controlled legislature will remove increased funding for DPI from the budget? Well, one, it seems like Voss is talking more about uh, the bureaucracy over at the Department of Public Instruction, not actual school funding for schools. So just keep an eye on that. But really, the debate about school funding in Wisconsin isn't about the DPI race. It's more about the federal money flowing into the state uh, in the coming months and years to be spent over the next couple of years for school districts. It's about between the three packages that have been signed by first President Trump and now Joe Biden, it's like $2.2 billion for Wisconsin schools. Of that, MPS is getting roughly a third of that money, uh, close to $800 million. Uh, most of it's been handed out through a, a, a formula the federal government uses, which basically is based about poverty. So Milwaukee is a high poverty district. It's doing better than others because of that factor. But in talking to Republicans, they see all the federal money coming in and they think it's unfair because places like Milwaukee have been open for virt- for in-person instruction, whereas their more rural, exurban districts have been open to per- in-person instruction and they're incurring costs that Milwaukee isn't. So those districts tend to be a little bit better off than Milwaukee. They don't benefit as much from the formula the federal government is using that uses po- accounts for poverty. So they're trying to wonder how can they reward those schools that have been open for instruction and get them money to compensate or kind of offset the the federal money going to MPS, the challenge is whenever you do stuff like that in the budget, the governor has a very powerful partial veto authority. He can rework things, and the more words you put into the budget, the more words you give Governor Evers to work with. So Republicans have to kind of toe a line where, yes, they want to find a way to reward those school districts that are in person, largely uh, rural and, and small school districts, but how can they do it without Governor Evers getting hold of that that language and reworking something they don't want to have done? And finally, the first in-person public hearing on the state budget was held in Whitewater on Friday. People brought concerns ranging from public education to transportation to relief for small businesses who suffered losses because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Three more hearings are scheduled throughout the month, including two more in rural Wisconsin and one virtual meeting. What kind of themes or issues can we expect to hear or continue to hear at these gatherings? Uh, much of the same. You know, you're going to hear more stuff about various pet interests from two-thirds funding for schools to, you know, whatnot. So uh, these hearings kind of get redundant after a while because a lot of the same messages. It's rare to see a public hearing on uh, the budget really grab the attention of lawmakers and have them uh, take up and take, set up and take notice. So I'd expect to hear a lot of people, you know, a parade of witnesses calling for their pet projects to get more money. But really, Republicans already kind of have an idea of what they want to do. It's how to get it done. So I don't expect these things to really, really shape the coming debate um, about the budget and what Republicans are going to do to what Governor Evers has proposed. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. 
you can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.